How to improve your fortitude. Coping skills. Quote, in three words, I can sum up everything I've learned about life. It goes on. Close quote. Robert Frost. Your ability to confront your upsets and disappointments, tolerate frustration, and be patient is a critical factor in reducing your chronic pain. It's become harder these days since the rapid advancements in technology have contributed to people wanting things immediately, right now. Faster is not necessarily better. Improving your frustration tolerance, your patience, your ability to cope is simply the ability to have you refine your skills that you've learned, hopefully, in childhood or relearn at this point in time in your life. Choose from the following strategies, the ones that work best for you. One, reflect on adaptive ways you've dealt with your frustrations and disappointments and coped well related to experiencing chronic pain in your past. Number two, Reflect on positive role models you've had and encountered personally or heard or read about over time. Reflect on the adaptive ways these people cope well with upsetting situations. Remain patient, especially when they had chronic pain. What skills or abilities did they have that you admired? What did these role models value that helped them earn your respect? Number three. Write down and rehearse positive inspirational quotes or song lyrics or read stories that reflect positive virtues about how to handle upsets, especially when it concerns coping with pain. Number four, create your day each morning by thinking about then writing down how you're going to be. For example, you can write down, quote, be positive all day, unquote, or, quote, cope well with my pain, unquote, or, quote, be patient with blank, unquote. You'll be surprised by how creating your day this way and starting your statements with the word be will help you feel more positive about life. Number five, try to smile all day. Try to smile and say hello to as many people that you meet as you can. You'll be surprised about how you will experience this when people smile back or may say hello. It may help you to cope. Number six, prepare in advance for potential thinking, emotional, or physical triggers that can induce you to not cope well. Develop and keep strategic strategic plans in place should you encounter such triggers. Number seven, rehearse how you will cope adaptively to these triggers. Write down a sufficient number of if-then statements that you may encounter related to these triggers. Number eight, don't react. Suggest to yourself that you first calm down. Take a time out, a quick break, or even retreat if you can. Then, think the situation through before you decide on which coping strategies to use. Use diaphragmatic or deep breathing or do a mindfulness exercise first before you deal with the situation. Number nine, 
Use your support network. This could be anyone you can call, text, or email, especially if you're feeling vulnerable to not coping well with your pain. Number 10. Be your own best coach when it comes to coping with chronic pain. Encourage yourself with statements that a typical coach may say to their basketball or football team or baseball team. You'll be surprised how these positive self-suggestions and positive self-talk will help get you through your pain. Number 11. Use higher level coping strategies like sublimation and humor. Write in a journal or create poems, write short stories, song lyrics, music, fiction or nonfiction books. Draw, paint, color, sing, play an instrument or listen to music. Attend concerts and plays or watch comedies, old and new. Read or listen to books especially biographies of people who have endured and dealt with pain in a positive way. Number 12. Remember that your situation could be a lot worse compared to situations others are facing. It may be helpful for you to go to places like hospitals or to wards or units where there are people that are having a much harder time than you to get some perspective in your life. Number 13, rehearse and use daily positive self-coping statements like the following. Quote, be brave and carry on despite the pain, unquote. Quote, I can overcome the pain, unquote. Quote, I won't let my pain stand in the way of what I want to do, close quote. Open quote, I can handle this, close quote. Open quote, stay relaxed, close quote. Open quote, live one moment at a time. Close quote. Open quote. Never give up. Close quote. 14. Try to rehearse and use daily words of inspiration like the following. Quote. Success is the sum of small efforts repeated day in and day out. Close quote. Robert Carlier. Open quote. To climb steep hills requires a slow pace at first. Close quote. William Shakespeare. Open quote, while there is life, there is hope, close quote, Cicero. Open quote, hope is a waking dream, close quote, Aristotle. Open quote, never lose hope, close quote, unknown. Open quote, pain happens, but suffering is optional, close quote, unknown. How to Reduce Your Patient's Chronic Pain, a new model to restore hope, theirs and especially yours. You wake up early, ready to start your day at the office, knowing full well that your healthcare practice has changed dramatically over time. You are already stressing out, just thinking about having to see a multitude of patients, each of whom has different complaints, symptoms, and histories that you have to review, then record in a detailed, cumbersome electronic health record, EHR, you are now required to use. You feel frustrated, knowing full well that you will most likely spend little time with each patient because of your large caseload and the note-taking and administrative demands placed on you. 
You get to your office and you begin your first encounter by greeting your patient, then reviewing their medical record and medication list. You refine it if any medications or medication amounts have changed as indicated in the patient's EHR. Next, you ask for and record their present symptoms. As you listen to the patient share their symptoms, you type away on your laptop. You know you don't want to fall behind with seeing patients and note-taking because it will only mean that you'll be going home later than usual. Or you'll have to catch up on recording notes later in the next day. Suddenly, you become irritable, recognizing that the symptoms your patient is describing are just similar to the, what those described during their previous visits. Typically, they are complaints of experiencing chronic physical pain. Some complaints that you surmise may have had no clear physical evidence to support them. You realize that it isn't going to be so easy for you to recommend anything new. You've advised so many options before with which the patient rarely improved or complied. Treatment adherence was low. Nothing is working. If you are a physician or clinical nurse practitioner or physician assistant, you may have prescribed medications like NSAIDs, muscle relaxants, or opiates. You may have performed certain procedures or advised patients to engage in healthy activities like simple stretching, exercising, or cutting down their weight or alcohol intake. You may have authorized or reviewed their x-rays, MRIs, blood tests, or any other kind of medical evidence to try to substantiate the rationale for their physical complaints. A majority of the medical tests seem useless because the patient still complained of having chronic pain. You've even made periodic referrals to specialists like orthopedic surgeons, physical therapists, chiropractors, anyone else, acupuncturists, despite knowing the patient's level of treatment adherence was minimal. You wonder if your patient is looking for a quick fix of an opiate medication you once prescribed so easily, but can't anymore because of federal and state regulations that restrict them. You even wonder if they're looking for a marijuana card, or you begin to mistrust them, wondering if they're looking for a disability diagnosis, a process that will require more of your precious limited time to procure documentation in complete detailed forms. You feel more frustrated and helpless. No matter what advice you give them, nothing seems to work. After talking to and examining your patient, it seems obvious to you that their pain chronically persists. There is no perfect answer you can give them to rid themselves completely of their pain. You feel so helpless that you may recommend that they go to a pain management center because you're clear there's nothing more you can do for them. If you are a physical, occupational, or rehabilitation therapist, a chiropractor, a mental health clinician, or even an acupuncturist, masseuse, or any other healthcare provider, you may believe that you have done your best to help your chronic pain patients improve and feel less pained. You hope that they can improve with your help. Like your medical colleagues, you can become discouraged and frustrated, feeling helpless because despite all the listening, empathy, and ongoing support, whether physical or emotional, you provide your patients, it just doesn't change their complaints. Does this sound familiar? If so, then you're not alone. The number of patients reporting physical symptoms of chronic physical pain or pain that lasts longer than three to six months is increasing exponentially each, each year. 
A 2011 report by the Institute of Medicine of the National Academies, now the National Academy of Medicine, Medicine, indicated that approximately 100 million individuals in the United States complain of having chronic physical pain. A report from Global Industry Analysts Incorporated in that same year declared that the number is 1.5 billion people worldwide, or 3 to 4.5 percent of the global population. An NIH study published in the Journal of Pain in March 2015 noted that, quote, 126.1 million adults reported some pain in the previous three months, with 25.3 million adults, or 11.2%, suffering from daily chronic physical pain, and 23.4 million, or 10.3% of the population, reporting a lot of pain. According to an article in Practice Fusion, June 2016, back pain has become one of the 10 highest ICD-10 diagnoses of major medical conditions for which patients seek treatment at your office. An overview of American pain surveys by the National Fibromyalgia and Chronic Pain Association in 2015 reported that 4 out of 10 people with chronic pain say it impacts their overall quality of life. 77% of patients with chronic pain further report feeling depressed, while 86% report they don't sleep well, based on the American Academy of Pain Association's report in 2016. The 2011 Institute of National Academies report further noted that it cost the United States between $560 and $635 billion annually, some $261 to $300 billion of which is due to incremental costs in health care, and $297 to $336 billion of which is due to lost productivity. The most serious condition is the exponential increase in drug overdoses, from prescription opioid medications and from street drugs like heroin or cocaine mixed with toxic fentanyl. The Centers for Disease Control reports that opioids, including prescription opioids, heroin and fentanyl, killed more than 42,000 people in 2016, more than any year on record. 40% of all opioid overdeaths include a prescription opioid. Bloomberg News reported that the drug OxyContin generated $1.8 billion in sales in 2017 for its maker, Purdue Pharma LP. Despite the major focus on opioids by the federal and state governments, opiate usage is just one serious problem facing Americans and people worldwide. A study reported in Clinical Psychiatry News, February 2018, noted that, quote, of the 14,834 suicide deaths from 18 states in 2014, tests for alcohol, conducted for 53%, or 7,883 of these decedents, were the most commonly performed and were the second most likely to be positive among drugs with data available. The rate was 40.2%, or 70. Percent of the positive results had blood alcohol concentrations of 0.08 grams or higher. Antidepressants had the highest positivity rate for drugs included in the analysis. 40.8% of 3,682 tests posthumous conducted in 2014. Benzodiazepines were identified as the next most commonly seen drug, 32.6% of people who committed suicide, followed by opiates, that was number four, 30%, then marijuana, 21%. 
So there seemed to be a higher correlation between the use of antidepressants and alcohol than between any other substances. More patients appear to be living a passive suicide lifestyle these days as a way to cope with having chronic pain. Many of them are overweight, prone to diabetes or cardiovascular conditions, get little to no exercise, and continue to drink excessive amounts of alcohol and or smoke tobacco daily. The New York Times, March 2018, revealed that nearly 40% of Americans were obese in 2015 and 2016. An NIH study, June 2015, found that alcohol use disorders were on the increase over the past decade. Nearly one-third of adults in the United States have an alcohol use disorder at some time in their lives, lives, but only 20% seek treatment. Even overdose deaths from cocaine use have doubled since 2010 to 2015, according to a NIDA study in September 2017. As a licensed professional and clinical psychologist who has worked in the mental health field for over 46 years, I've become deeply concerned about what is happening to you, the healthcare provider, given your level of stress from all the changes in the healthcare system, the need to keep up with the frenetic pace of seeing your patients daily, sometimes almost 10 minutes each, and your requirements to document copious electronic health record notes. I hear many of your colleagues' concerns almost daily, listening to them commiserate during lunch hour about the extent of stress they are undergoing. Their concerns underscore the seriousness of information provided at a local seminar by our chief psychiatrist who represented the Physicians Health Services, Inc., a corporation of the Massachusetts Medical Society that specializes in helping physicians who are experiencing burnout. He acknowledged that their service caseload had increased dramatically in 2017, with more than 400 physicians and medical students being helped for mental health and substance abuse problems. One in three professionals was self-referred because of occupational stress, difficulties balancing work and family, and difficulty dealing with stress and financial pressures. Many of them are on active monitoring contracts for substance abuse. I believe that one of the main reasons many professionals in the healthcare community are overstressed is because they place unrealistic expectations on themselves to help so many patients change their behaviors, especially when it comes to more difficult conditions like chronic physical pain. These professionals want to see their patients improve, if not conquer their pain, because that's what they were trained to do. And this includes you. As a healthcare provider, your positive desire to find the right or perfect treatment or cure for pain patients may not be so easy to realize. Why? Because the definition of chronic pain and the treatment expectations and strategy are, strategies are changing dramatically, as you'll understand in my podcasts and in reading my books. My hope is that, as any type of healthcare provider who works with patients having chronic pain, you will find the information in the coming podcasts helpful enough so that you can become less stressed. By changing your perspective about the paradigm of pain as being much more than simply physical symptoms, I hope that you can reduce your own high self-standards and the expectations of your patients to change and that you realize you are good enough in doing everything possible to help your patients. Treating chronic pain requires an ongoing team effort. You can't do it alone, of which you are still an integral member. Having the support of other healthcare providers as extended team members, including mental health clinicians trained in this model, can help you reduce your own stress, 
given the multidimensional and subjective nature of chronic pain and the fact that treating chronic pain implies simply trying to reduce it over time in a manner similar to many other biopsychosocial medical conditions. Ways to Enhance Fortitude Optimism A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees every opportunity in every difficulty. Winston Churchill This quote from Sir Winston Churchill best encapsulates the importance of cultivating optimism to reduce your chronic pain. Choose from among the following strategies the ones that may work best for you to improve your optimism ratings on the fortitude scale. Number one, in his book, Learned Optimism, Martin Seligman writes about how optimism can be enhanced. Perceive your problems with chronic pain as being temporary and view them as mostly controllable or capable of at least being reduced. The third step is to understand that you are mostly specific to the situation rather than generalizable to all situations. Number two, optimistic people are happier than those people who think negatively and catastrophic about the future. Try to stop your negative thinking by using thought-stopping techniques. Pinch yourself or snap a rubber band around your wrist every time you have a negative thought and have have yourself say, stop it. Or use visual cues like red dots. Or make a stop sign to remind yourself to just stop and think. This will enhance self-monitoring as an executive functioning skill. Number three. To be optimistic is to have hope in a manner similar to hostages held in captivity for long periods of time. Do whatever it takes to instill your hope, including reading or listening to anything inspirational. Number four, optimistic people let things go. You don't hold on to grudges or upsets with people. Apologize and work through as many conflicts as you can. Your experiences of having chronic pain can make you hypersensitive to what others say and do. Make sure you are careful that you don't mind read or misunderstand or misperceive what is really going on between someone else and yourself. Number five. Change the way you view obstacles to reducing your chronic pain by having you see obstacles as challenges or opportunities. Your challenges are a function of your life journeys. Help yourself to think of them as positive ways to transform your negative thoughts, feelings, and actions. Number six, generate a positive probable outcome for every anticipated negative outcome of an action plan to reduce your chronic pain. Number seven, smile as much as possible within yourself and towards others. You'll find that smiling is catchy and fuels positive connectedness with others. Number eight, Martin Seligman notes that instead of blaming yourself, optimists focus on the notion that factors beyond their control due to circumstances or to someone else's actions have caused a negative experience. The more you can do this, the lower your ratings should be on the control scale, on the cognitive appraisal scale. Ways to enhance fortitude. Optimism. A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees every opportunity in every difficulty. Winston Churchill. 
This quote from Sir Winston Churchill best encapsulates the importance of cultivating optimism to reduce your chronic pain. Choose from among the following strategies the ones that may work best for you to improve your optimism ratings on the fortitude scale. Number one, in his book, Learned Optimism, Martin Seligman writes about how optimism can be enhanced. Perceive your problems with chronic pain as being temporary and view them as mostly controllable or capable of at least being reduced. The third step is to understand that you are mostly specific to the situation rather than generalizable to all situations. Number two, optimistic people are happier than those people who think negatively and catastrophic about the future. Try to stop your negative thinking by using thought-stopping techniques. Pinch yourself or snap a rubber band around your wrist every time you have a negative thought and have, you, have yourself say, stop it. Or use visual cues like red dots. Or make a stop sign to remind yourself to just stop and think. This will enhance self-monitoring as an executive functioning skill. Number three. To be optimistic is to have hope in a manner similar to hostages held in captivity for long periods of time. Do whatever it takes to instill your hope, including reading or listening to anything inspirational. Number four, optimistic people let things go. You don't hold on to grudges or upsets with people. Apologize and work through as many conflicts as you can. Your experiences of having chronic pain can make you hypersensitive to what others say and do. Make sure you are careful that you don't mind read or misunderstand or misperceive what is really going on between someone else and yourself. Number five. Change the way you view obstacles to reducing your chronic pain by having you see obstacles as challenges or opportunities. Your challenges are a function of your life journeys. Help yourself to think of them as positive ways to transform your negative thoughts, feelings, and actions. Number six, generate a positive probable outcome for every anticipated negative outcome of an action plan to reduce your chronic pain. Number seven, smile as much as possible within yourself and towards others. You'll find that smiling is catchy and fuels positive connectedness with others. Number eight, Martin Seligman notes that instead of blaming yourself, optimists focus on the notion that factors beyond their control due to circumstances or to someone else's actions have caused a negative experience. The more you can do this, the lower your ratings should be on the control scale on the cognitive appraisal scale.